Welcome to the Live Your Purpose podcast, featuring compelling interviews with big-hearted people in the Oklahoma City metro area who are leading, creating, and innovating on purpose. Get inspired by conversations with passionate difference makers from our local community. I'm your host, Charles Gossett, Life Purpose Coach and founder of Full Integration Coaching. On today's episode, we sit down with Brian Warfield, a compassionate hospital chaplain who's using his gifts to serve and support others in their time of greatest need. And now, the Live Your Purpose podcast. Welcome to this edition of the Live Your Purpose podcast. I'm here today with Brian Warfield, who has been a hospital chaplain for over eight years. He's had the chance to work at Baptist Medical Center, Spencer Mental Health, and most recently at Southwest Medical Center as pastoral care manager. What he loves most is meeting people who are in a difficult crisis and providing a caring presence to support them. When he's not chaplaining, he loves to spend time with his family, go running with friends, and play the guitar. He also spends entirely way too much of his money at Dunkin' Donuts. Brian, <laughs> welcome to the show. Thank you, Charles. Thanks so much for having me. Uh, it's, a, it's a joy and an honor to be here today. Yeah, well, I'm really glad to have you on the show. This is the first interview that I've done uh, since the coronavirus outbreak, and so we're doing it remotely. We're all learning as we go. I've, I've uh, sanitized my hands, just so everybody knows. Oh, you have? Yeah. Okay, well, that's uh, one of us. So maybe, hold on, maybe I'd better pause this and go clean up. <laughs> sure. <laughs> okay, well, normally I'd be on site with you, and, and we can talk more about where you work and where you have worked. But we're uh, operating through Zoom and recording this, uh, which is really cool to be able to do. And uh, as you know, the show is called the Live Your Purpose podcast, and it's an opportunity for my guests just to talk about their why, uh, the purpose uh, for their life and their work, and the contribution they make uh, here in the OKC Metro. So we start off with a kickoff question, and you've selected yours, and we'll do that and just see where the conversation takes us. Sounds great, Charles. Okay, so Brian, what are the struggles and triumphs that have most shaped your life? So the struggles and triumphs, um, yeah, the reason I picked this is because um, sometimes the um, greatest difficulties or the greatest tragedies um, in life have been um, also the things that have shaped me the most. Um, so I can start with um, really in high school. Um, I grew up in a, in a pretty normal household. Oh, sorry, Charles. That's okay. Um, I'm getting a page to the ER. Oh, well, um, probably better go. Yeah. Is there any way um, we can try again, maybe in like 30 minutes or so? Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Take care of that. Yeah, take care of that and just uh, text me when, you, when you're free. Okay. I'm okay. so sorry. That's okay, Ryan. Okay. Talk to you soon. All right. Bye. Bye. Okay, everyone. We are back now. So, yeah, Brian, you were called away for uh, official chaplain duties. And uh, feel free to tell us anything about that that you'd like since that came up. Yeah. Um, that, that is basically the life of a hospital chaplain. Um, 
just when you think there's some downtime, uh, um, usually somebody says the Q word in the hospital. They say the word quiet or calm <laughs> is a C word, but, uh, and, and everything kind of loose. But um, yeah, I, I had a call to the ER and um, took care of a family there and they, they were comforted and um, really, really great family. So, um, but uh, yeah, so I, I guess before I got called away, I was um, kind of talking about the struggles and triumphs that have shaped my life. And uh, um, so in high school, um, yeah, I lived a pretty typical um, uh, elementary, junior high, high school, um, if there is a typical experience um, right. for American uh, kid in the suburbs. But um, we, we had been a very uh, church-going, very religious family. Um, and, and my mom, my dad, my sister, and I, um, you know, life, life was good. And um, right about the time I turned 16, uh, my mom took me to go get my driver's license test, um, one of my favorite memories. Um, and life was going good. And about a month after that a month after I got my driver's license, uh, my mom was diagnosed with cancer. Um, and by the time they found it and diagnosed her, um, she was already well advanced, um, basically stage four, um, lung cancer, it had spread. And so the next, um, six months or so were just a whirlwind and um, and unfortunately she ended up uh, passing away from that cancer in January of 2001 and um, that that kind of just hit the reset button uh, on life for me um, yeah. it was like a new a new epic um, a new era and so um, in that time I you know, my mom was kind of my confidant, the person I talked to, the person I just unloaded all of life's burdens to. And in that absence, in that void, um, I turned to my faith and uh, just found such uh, comfort and solace there. And, um, you know, as a 16-year-old boy, you're also asking the question of, yeah, what next in life? Um, and, and why am I here? You know, talking about the big why, um, of life and, and my why. Right. And, um, really, um, what I felt God saying is, you know, your greatest pain, your greatest hurt can also be the thing that, um, turns into, um, your greatest gift towards others. And so, um, out of that, I felt this strong call to ministry um, to care for people. And I, I had absolutely no idea what that would look like. Um, and so I, I went on a mission trip uh, to Seattle, Washington, and uh, worked with homeless uh, teenagers, uh, young people, kind of the same station of life as me, same age, um, and all that. Um, and of course their, their challenges and tragedies were much different than 
mine. Um, they were homeless. They were estranged from their family. Um, but um, I just had a great sense of compassion for them. Um, and so really for the next four years of high school and then college, I tried to kind of clarify, you know, what I was called to. I, I thought it was to open up a homeless shelter for teenagers. Um, and so I became a youth pastor and I went that route. And then I realized um, adolescent ministry is not, um, it, not, not what I meant for, uh, for uh, a lifetime. <laughs> uh, maybe, um, but, uh, but anyway, God opened up an opportunity to uh, go to seminary. And after seminary, I really felt God calling me to take care of um, just, you know, um, anybody, whatever. I just, wherever they were, not just young people, but um, older people, um, all different kinds of folks. And so um, I thought that would be um, uh, as a pastor of a church. Um, uh, but talking about struggle, struggles and triumphs, um, one of the struggles I had was my um, resume got lost. Um, our denomination had a reference and referral program. And so they would match up graduating uh, seminary students with um, churches that were looking for pastors and ministers. And I was waiting for like, you know, the last year of seminary to get some callbacks. I never did. And I kind of checked in, you know, one day and they're like, oh, we don't have your resume. We don't, we know you sent it in, but we lost it. <laughs> that would have been nice to know. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, so plan B was to come back home. We were in New Jersey at the time and plan was to come back home to Oklahoma and, um, and I, I just had no idea what I was going to do, but there was a chaplain job open up at a Baptist Medical Center, uh, Integris Baptist. And so it was just a one year residency. I thought, you know, if anything, this pays the bills, I'll do this and maybe it'll springboard to something else. But um, I did that for a year and just there was such a connection there because um, I just enjoy being with people and I enjoy being with people that are either um, on the margins. Um, you know, society has not um, made space uh, for them or has ignored them in some way, um, or they just because of illness, um, they find themselves in a marginal place and, um, you know, in my, my theology is that God often finds us in those thin places, those liminal places in life, um, kind of on the outskirts, on the edges of, of, of life and, um, just found a lot of meaningful connections. Um, and so, um, through that, um, just kind of, uh, yeah, found a home in chaplaincy, um, and so um, that, you know, the, 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 the grief of, of losing my mom, um, 
kind of led me to pursue ministry. And then um, the frustration of losing my resume uh, led me to find chaplaincy. Um, and then a third uh, struggle was um, I was kind of moving along in chaplaincy, really enjoying where I was at. I it was about 2015, I believe. Um, was that right? Yeah. Um, 2016. Yeah, 2016. Um, I was just a chaplain at our mental health hospital. And uh, the neat part about it was um, I got to see just, just a vast array of um, different um, age groups and um, experiences. And I, I joke, um, so we had children, uh, adolescents and adults there. And so um, basically in the morning, I could be uh, playing with Play-Doh and coloring a picture with a six-year-old. Um, by the afternoon, I was jamming out to imagine dragons uh, with the teenagers and trying to find meaning um, in that. And then by you know, late afternoon, I was on the adult unit um, talking with, you know, um, a mother of three who um, was trying to find um, a reason to keep going. And so, I mean, I, I just, I loved what I was doing there. But um, one April morning, um, not too long after my birthday, that was kind of funny. Um, <laughs> Uh, when I got the papers later, uh, the date that it was dated was April 13th, which was my birthday. Uh, but I, I got a call to come into my boss's office, which is, you know, it, yeah, um, not always the best thing. Um, right. Depending and, on the situation. Yeah. Yeah. It could, could be a promotion. <laughs> it could be a raise. Yeah. Uh, it could be a flip. Um, so in this case, uh, she just brought me into the office and said, hey, I'm sorry. Um, we've had some company-wide uh, layoffs and your position has been eliminated. And so I, I was completely just floored. I did not see that coming um, at all. I thought I'm the only one in my position. I'm the only chaplain here. Just did not see that coming. And so um, that was another bit of soul searching. Um, but, um, well, yeah, let's take a, if we could just take a minute to catch up because you've done yeah. a wonderful job of, of laying the landscape and which to me indicates that you've spent a lot of time in reflection and processing yeah. your experiences over really over the years since your teenage years, at least, uh, when around 16, um, after you got your driver's license, your mother discovered that she had cancer and then unfortunately passed away shortly thereafter, um, which, which you told us you know, was a really a primary motivator for, for wanting to help other people and beginning to, having been raised in a religious family, um, steeped in the Christian tradition and faith, sensing a call on your life at a pretty early age. So was that at like 16, 17, when, when you really had this type of relationship with God where you sensed that you were being 
uh, called to use your your pain to help others? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, it's interesting how um, our worldview changes and how our theology changes. Um, yeah, at that point, um, it was very much a very personal um, type of faith. I yeah. felt, you know, just this very personal interaction um, that there was this God who, um, you know, was kind of still shaping me. You know, I felt a sense of being shaped by this. Um, but, um, but yeah, having a sense of purpose that, um, you know, there's, I don't know, I kind of have the visual of like a, an arrow, a trajectory, you know, there's, there's a way through this. Um, there's an arc to this. And so, yeah, that, that kind of gave me some direction um, to go. So, yeah, that's, that's a good, uh, good kind of summation of, yeah, kind of what happened. Yeah. And for times like this that we're in now, as of the time of the recording of this podcast episode, the coronavirus outbreak is new. In Oklahoma, at least, we're being, you know, increasingly led to what seems like probably quarantine. Um, and I, our, I and my family have been practicing, um, oh, what's the terminology? Uh, staying at home on, on our own accord. And, mm-hmm. and so we've been self-isolating uh, and, and doing very limited amounts of things in the, in the outside world which has presented all kinds of new dynamics and, and new stresses and, and really new opportunities too, but there's a lot of stress. And uh, what I'm picking up on the threads, if I'm hearing you right, is really faithfulness has been, that's the word that comes to my mind, is that arrow analogy or metaphor that you just shared uh, indicates something at least from my worldview, which I haven't always had, you know, I, I was like, the arrows like pointed at me. It's like the other way around, not yeah. from, not from God, just, just from, you know, life. I think I'm wired kind of in a, in a, in that way. And that has changed. I've been able to, to work with God and, and then in other ways to change some of that worldview and dynamic. But in the times that we're in right now, I imagine, you know, on a daily basis, you're running into folks that are really struggling with, with that dynamic. And I'm not trying to cut your story short, but I just wonder how the experiences that you've had that have shaped you, how do you see those at work like right now in those that you're working with and serving? Yeah. Um, well, I see, um, I see so many people in the hospital right now that just, they feel um, stress is is kind of like a pressure, you know. I think of that, um, you know, what is it that 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 stress or pressure like towards a rock, you know, and it, it produces some kind of gem, like a diamond or something. Yeah. Um, a hopeful way of looking at it, but it's, you know, there's a real sense among like our our staff, you know, like um, just we're being crushed. I mean, we're just, it, it's like we have this load of bricks that we're carrying and each new, um, you know, requirement or screening process or, you know, rule, um, 
all for good reasons, all to, to, to bring about good. It just feels like another layer. It just feels like another brick. Um, and, and with that, um, you know, I, 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 um, the other thing I see a lot is, um, kind of like with the arrow analogy is, uh, where are we going? You know, where, where, where is all this going? Um, yeah, for sure. That is, is there any direction? Is there, you know, one of the questions I often ask families, you know, um, how we shape things, how we see things and understand things. Um, we tell a story, you know, we tell a story about how I got this illness, right. um, tell a story about how I discovered I had this illness. And, um, you know, there's a sense that I asked, um, one of our, uh, people today, our quality people, I said, where are we in this story? You know, are we at the beginning? Are we in the middle? Um, or are we about to wrap? Are we about to turn a corner? Um, and, um, I mean, that's just kind of it. Like, um, trying to help people find an arrow, you know, find a direction through it. Cause if you find that, if you find a sense of purpose, um, that's kind of like, um, again, just living in the metaphor world today. Um, that's kind of like a boat, um, that you can sail on, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, the water is, is choppy. We're not really sure where, you know, this river is going to lead us, but Hey, if I'm in the boat, I can direct it a little bit. Um, I, there's some safety in the boat, like I'm okay in the boat. And so, um, I think that's one thing is for me that that was faith that helped me get through, um, a sense of purpose helped me get through. Um, but, but yeah. Um, yeah, that's good. Yeah. Right. Well, thanks for going there. Yeah. And just applying your own journey and, and the experiences that you had and, and the role of faith. And then I love uh, that you brought us into what this, this was a staff meeting where you had asked the question, where are we at in our story? Oh, that, that was actually or, just kind of a drive by, uh, conversation. Okay. Uh, I wanted to, well, I mean, it was intentional. I, I wanted to check on, on those people, our, our quality department, they are, um, really kind of the infection prevention people in our hospital. And so they, I mean, they're, they're the people that everyone's looking to, you yeah. know, they're they're having to make the difficult decisions of, you know, how do we conserve our, our protective equipment? Um, how do we protect our employees? And, um, anyway, so they're, um, yeah, they're, they're just going through a lot and I, I wanted to check on them, but I, I just asked her and, um, yeah. And of course she didn't have a crystal ball. <laughs> None of us. Do, I haven't met anyone that does so far, but if you find them, please get back with me and I'll let everyone else know. Right. 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 <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, of course, you know, with, with any disease like this, sometimes it gets worse before it gets better. Yeah. Um, 
but the good news is we're doing the right things. We're doing the right practices to keep people safe. And um, if we just stick to it, I mean, I think, um, you know, it's going to be okay. I just, I, I trust, um, you know, we just have some really smart people, you know, not just here in Oklahoma, but, you know, just around the country and around the world, um, really doing their, their best. So, yeah. Absolutely. And I should say for those listening in that don't know Brian, uh, we've known each other for several years now through uh, our church, um, Spring Creek Baptist Church. And um, it's, it's just, this is who Brian is. And so to hear you share your story uh, really intimately and at length like this is really rewarding for me on a personal level because we've known each other. And to hear it all sort of strung together like this. And then for you to take us inside the hospital and the work that you're doing now is is just really empowering. And um, I can tell you, those that don't that don't know Brian, um, he is a person that is committed to compassion and healing and providing opportunities for wholeness and comfort for others. And I see it all the time. And to hear it at work away from the church and the context of our relationship is just awesome. Well, thank you so much, Charles. Um, man, that feels, that feels really good to hear. And, um, I, I would just echo that back, uh, towards you. Um, just, you know, getting to know each other at church where, you know, there's, there's a common bond of, um, faith, but also, um, I think you and I both, we realize just the, the power there is in vulnerability and um, yeah. leading from that. Um, it, it just, it, it just is empowering and it, and it, it, it pe- people are able to come and ask questions and seek out um, input and feedback because they know um, you're what you see is what you get, you know, right. with yourself, myself. And I, I try, I try to, maintain that, um, that, that transparency, that, um, integrity. Uh, so yeah, that's, but, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, that, that feels really good. And likewise, coming back to me, I appreciate those words and that lets me know that I'm, I'm on the right track, you know, and from those that I, that I really trust that I'm close to and, and uh, they give me good feedback. And so <laughs> that helps me to know if my arrow is pointed in the right direction. And, you know, as you were just talking then, <clears throat> I was, uh, you know, processing the boat metaphor that you described just a few minutes ago. And I'm thinking, as you're saying the word vulnerability and then talking about authenticity and integrity, that I'm sensing some groundedness, even in uncharted waters and uh, unstable terrain and unknown geography, uh, to, to continue on those metaphor lines. And picturing a person, yourself, us in a boat and other folks, um, there is a phrase that comes from the Zen tradition. It's from Zen master Thich Nhat Hanh from Vietnam. And uh, mm. to, par- to paraphrase it, it says that he was around, and he's still alive, but he was around during the Vietnam War. And he has a short story that he tells that uh, when the refugees were trying to, to escape and flee from harm's way, when they would enter the boats 
uh, to escape, if just one person would remain calm, then it would sure ensure the safe arrival of everyone on board. And so I think to be a, a non-anxious presence is maybe a newer way of saying that in our, in our culture. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm certainly hearing that and, and knowing that folks like us and many millions of others that can be that non-anxious presence in this time is such a benefit to others. Others really, we really are connected and that influences others and helps them stay grounded. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I 100% uh, agree and I'm tracking with you on that. Um, I think that's one thing, especially now, um, and with the non-anxious presence, um, I, I think of that in, in terms of my own, um, internal, like, you know, if I'm a non-anxious presence, I've, I've found a way to ground myself, um, kind of using that word grounding, like you talked about. Yeah. Uh, and so at the end of the day, I can come back to myself or I can come back home or I can do it throughout the day. Um, and that is going to lower my level of anxiety, like the actual, you know, biochemical, you know, stuff that's going on in my body. But I also think too, like a non-anxious, um, person, a leader is someone who is able to show up, um, and respond not out of, um, not as a sense of just reacting and um, bringing their own um, stressors or uh, issues, I guess. Um, and you can kind of tell that in a room. Like if, if you sit in, in, in a room, whatever room it is, whether it's a, a support group or it's a team meeting, um, you can see the person who kind of brings in either their own agenda or they bring in their own set of stuff that um, it, it becomes another thing that the whole group has to deal with. Versus, <laughs> right. Uh, well said. Is <laughs> okay. I'm here, and I'm I'm trying to figure out what the group needs and how how the group needs to function. Not adding or taking away anything. Um, I'm I'm trying to see, almost kind of like an observer. Um, but uh, anyway, like. I think that's kind of the role of a chaplain is, you know, we show up um, and we see everybody that's moving around um, sometimes very anxiously <laughs> um, right. you know, they're to the patient. They're, um, they're getting medicine, they're updating family. And um, we're able to kind of just see where all the piece, pieces are going. And, um, and, and, and that's a, yeah. Um, I don't know where my end point was with that comment, but uh, yeah, I, I just, I love that phrase, non-anxious presence. I think that defines kind of, kind of our approach and what we, what I want to do and, and, and how I want to work. Yeah, totally. And I can relate as a life coach and, and I've done some hospice volunteer work and, volunteered at uh, a Deaconess Hospital for three years in the admitting department um, because I feel a related call on my life to be 
to be someone that's compassionate and supportive and who really can help others in those kind of situations where not everyone's equally equipped. And mm-hmm. so that's purposeful work. It's, it's using my strength and skills and personality and, and uh, God's gifts in my life and offering those to others in meaningful ways. Um, and, and I've done some youth ministry and some praise band leadership. I did some of that. <laughs> Not saying I wouldn't do it again, yeah. but that's a, that's a different yeah. animal altogether. <laughs> it's a different animal. It's, 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 it's invigorating and exciting, but it's, it's a different animal. <laughs> it really, really is. Uh, you know, and, but what I really wanted to recapture also from what you just shared about, um, oh, about how you come back to yourself. I wonder if you could just take a minute or two to expound on that. And, and, and the context was you were, you were sharing how, you know, you encounter these different situations throughout the day, but there's a way to come back to yourself, to lower your own anxiety. Um, what are some of the ways that you do that? Um, so um, three uh, things, uh, of course, I say three, and I'll forget them by the time I get to the third <laughs> one. But, uh, first of all, it's just deep breathing. Um, I, I, the more often I just pause throughout my day and just maybe two minutes just to breathe in deeply and exhale and um, kind of close my eyes and and I think of it as kind of centering, um, just kind of slowing things down for a second and reassess where am I, what am I doing? Um, that, that has been so helpful, um, especially um, the last three months or so, um, just with different life events that have gone on. Um, that has been so helpful. Um, so deep breathing. Um, I go running, I jog um, in my neighborhood, and um, that that is a way just to uh, get back in touch um, with um, my whole self. Um, the the what I love about running is that it's a whole body thing. Um, so often we spend so much time just in our heads. Yeah. We're thinking, we're computing, we're um, analyzing things, totally. uh, or things, and um, and it's kind of disconnected to what's going on with my body, my actual, you know, uh, arms and legs and heart, and um, you know, um, with running, I just I feel very connected to myself, and I'm able to think, um, I'm able to process stuff while I'm running. Um, I'm totally unplugged from any electronics um, uh, except for my Garmin watch that tells me how fast or slow I'm going. Um, but I, I just, I don't listen to music. I don't listen to anything. And I just um, get out there. Um, and then the last thing is just playing the guitar. Um, yeah. Like to, at the end of the day, just kind of mess around um, just kind of play different things. It's kind of soothing or, um, and, um, yeah, those are, those are kind of the ways I do that. 
That's awesome. So for those that, you know, go back and listen to this again, if you want those tips, but what, what I heard you say is deep breathing for a couple of minutes, doing that a few times a day, if you can running. And then because this is like a, a life purpose coaching sort of uh, podcast, then for those that are listening, you can modify that. If you're not a runner, do something physical, but do do the dishes by hand if you're stuck at home. Do some gardening. Dig around in the garden and find some worms. <laughs> do something that that connects you with uh, another process, with uh, with nature, with something around the house. Uh, and then the third, you said playing guitar. So a hobby that could be modified for a hobby that someone has, uh, woodworking or painting or who knows what dance. If you miss some activities you haven't done in a while, you might pick those up right now. That might help ground you and come back to yourself, as as Brian described it. I love the way you said that. Yeah, yeah. I uh, any anything active um, can be just such such a good um, practice, a good um, thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Brian, I did want to open it up. I do, I do have other questions that I can ask, but I did want to make sure that if you had things you wanted to cover, we have, uh, you know, 10 or 15 more minutes and I wanted to give you that opportunity. Um, nothing right now. Yeah. Nothing off the top of my head. Okay. So, yeah. Well then, go. yeah, I was curious then about playing the guitar. This is just from one guitarist to another. What are some of the songs that you're playing lately i mean they don't have to maybe you're just coming up with different arpeggios or strum patterns or but what are you playing lately and and uh how does it affect you mm-hmm. yeah um i see okay i'm thinking going back to what have i been playing lately um so you and i uh are i, I don't know if i i don't want i won't put words in your mouth uh Please do. But, uh, <laughs> You're probably right. We have a common affection for uh, the band Switchfoot, and oh yeah, uh, and I love uh, John Foreman. Um, he's just got some really good acoustic stuff. Um, one of the songs uh, on one of his solo albums is called "Cure for the Pain." Yeah, or the cure for pain. I, right. I forget the word. He- That's it. The cure for pain. And um, it's just such a a gentle um, just song about um, how do we how do we deal with our pain and whether that's emotional pain, uh, relational pain. Uh, how do we deal with that? So often we just distract ourselves. We run from it. Uh, sometimes if we lean into it, um, look at it, it. It's it's not as bad as um, you know, it's okay to feel pain. Um, and sometimes that's how we heal is just to feel it, let it go. Um, so then playing that one, uh, one called, I won't let you go. Um, love that song. Love both those songs. Yeah. Um, Oh, I'm trying to think if there's anything else. Um, my my brain is kind of fried. It's it's yeah. getting late in the afternoon, and um, but anything by those guys, uh, Switchfoot, John, you know, John Foreman, yeah, 
Totally. And, and then how does it, it, and that wasn't a pop quiz. It was just, if it was on your mind and you did come up with a couple of ones that, you know, I can tell that have been running through your veins, but how, do, how does it affect you when you sit down with the guitar and you start to play, you know, one of these songs specifically or just in general? Mm. Um, I like the term like, um, uh, kind of ventilating the soul. Oh, um, nice. Yeah. Uh, I heard that somewhere along the way. And uh, we hear a lot about ventilators these days uh, with the hospital and how we need them um, going back to the hospital. But um, for sure, yeah, I feel like it just kind of opens, kind of opens up the chest, emotional chest cavity and lets, lets some breath in there and, uh, you know, I have found though that um, sometimes if I'm just, I'm feeling all kinds of grief um, and all kinds of pain and it's getting to be overwhelming, uh, sometimes playing a song like that um, may not be beneficial. I may need to just get up and walk around. Um, and so that's one thing I kind of navigate is, is this helping to soothe me or is this kind of just overwhelming me and I kind of have to self-monitor that. So. Yes. I think that's so insightful and I'm glad you shared that with us. Uh, that's something I have to watch too. I can get lost in, in any kind of process, um, mm -hmm. especially with like feelings or sensory things. I can get lost in my senses and get distracted for hours. And sometimes mm -hmm. I've done that with guitar and music just as another form of distraction. Um, which there can be benefit for it for a limited period of time. But as a person myself with a, a deep history of addiction, it's so easy for me to, to seek pleasure and escapism versus uh, finding that the cure for pain is like John Foreman says is, you know, if Jesus did it, maybe I shouldn't abandon the pain that's been given to me. Maybe there's something that this is trying to tell me. And it's trying mm -hmm. to change me in some formational, foundational way. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, so I love that. Just not to get distracted by the things that we lean on. We can lean on things <laughs> too often. I know I can. And even misuse the good things, you know, to keep our, yeah. ourselves distracted or, or avoiding. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Okay, well, hey, I wanted to ask you, this is a bigger question. I just wanted to open it up. And um what is your greatest hope for these times that we're living in right now? Hmm. Ooh, wow. That's a great question. Um, I think um, it's, it's very ironic. Um, I just, the word irony just seems to, abound when you look at what's going on. Um, for example, one irony is, um, and there's a hope out of the irony is what I'm getting to, but, um, so we are a people that are, um, what was it that Martin Luther King said? Our scientific power is outrun our spiritual power. Um, we're so yes. technology focused and less, um, you know, internally, spiritually, um, philosophically focused. And, 
um, one of the things that's just so interesting about all this is um, our uh, our technology. We are so focused on um, our devices a lot of times. I mean, people are distracted by their cell phones um, while they're driving um, at home. Um, our kiddos. I'm as guilty as anybody. You know, we've got all the tablets and the, you know, the Xboxes and the things that, you know, we just spend our lives in front of these screens. And the idea was that this technology would connect us. And then um, now it actually is because it's <laughs> the technology is one of the ways that we're connecting with each other as we're socially distancing. Um, and, um, and just, yeah, I guess what I'm getting to, my hope is that we would become a more connected people, um, to one another, um, that through this, um, pandemic time that we, we think about each other's needs as much as we think about our own. I mean, that is like the rationale behind all of um, the practices that we're putting in place, you know, for social distancing, you know, it's not about whether I'm going to get the virus because, um, I mean, it is in some sense, obviously I'm taking my precautions because I want to be well, I need to be well for my family, but sure. also like, I don't, I don't want to affect or impact or spread this disease to someone that's more compromised with their immune system. And so I have to put the needs of my neighbor um, at the forefront of whether I choose to go out and get a Dunkin' Donuts coffee after work or whether I choose to go out and go running with my running friends if it means I'm, you know, surrounding more, I'm making more personal contact and that uh, amplifies the risk. So I just, I hope that we become more connected to the needs of each other um, and just more connected with ourselves. that we just, you know, ask those bigger, you know, why questions? Like why, you know, why am I in the job I'm in? You know, is this feeding my soul or is this just something I'm doing, you know? Yeah. That'd be my hope, I think. That is huge. And I don't think I can add a whole lot to that, my friend. Uh, is there anything else that you wanted to share for some parting words? Uh, no, just uh, everybody wash your hands. Um, <laughs> Please do. <laughs> go out if you don't have to. Uh, but, you know, the technology is let's, let's connect with people. You know, let's just not do it in person. Um, but check on check on your family members, check on the people in your church um, that are isolated, you know, um, check on your healthcare workers. Absolutely. And as the husband of a teacher, I check on my teacher daily throughout the day because yeah. she's home too here and, and worrying about the kids and making sure they have enough food to eat. And, and so that there's a lot of concerns on, on caring people's hearts right now. And so I love those words to, to close us out today. Great. Well, Brian, it has been a pleasure chatting with you today. And I look forward to seeing you in the near future, virtually, if no other Thank way. 
been a, a, a joy and, and a lot of fun. You've been listening to the Live Your Purpose podcast. I hope you've been inspired by my conversation with today's guest. If you like what you hear, please share with your social networks and subscribe so that you never miss an episode. I'm your host, Charles Gossett, Life Purpose Coach and founder of Full Integration Coaching. To learn more about the life coaching, public speaking, and retreat services that I offer, visit fullintegrationcoaching.com. And you can follow along with me on Facebook and Instagram at Full Integration Coaching. Until next time, remember, you were meant to live on purpose. Start living yours today.